Over the last two decades, I've cried more tears than I can count because of the impact of bias and racism. Some tears were shed because of personal experiences, while others flowed freely after watching or hearing about the experiences of other people. Even though these things didn't happen to me, or even to someone I knew oftentimes, they all felt very personal and very painful. When I was much younger, I remember stories of Sean Bell and Amadou Diallo. Both were black men shot and killed by police in a hail of bullets. Scenes that some might deem actually movie-worthy because certainly they couldn't have been real. Unfortunately, they were. And over the last decade, there have been a steady stream of black people killed during police-involved incidents. Far too many names to even mention here. Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Walter Scott, Jordan Edwards, Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray, and many, many more. In July of 2016, over the course of two days, two black men were killed during police-involved incidents in separate states. Alton Sterling and Philando Castile would become the most recent hashtags. Alton was shot dead by Baton Rouge police, stemming from a call about allegedly selling illegal CDs. CDs, people! Philando was shot just 74 seconds after being pulled over by a Minnesota police officer. As a permitted gun holder, he was following guidance given by the NRA to immediately notify law enforcement that you have a weapon in the car. The world had a unique viewpoint of Philando's death because the passenger in the car, Diamond Reynolds, live-streamed the incident on Facebook for everyone to see. Although I refuse to watch the full videos of either man's murder, I know that Philando's last words were, I wasn't reaching. I wasn't reaching. Philando did everything right, and he was still killed. His murder really shook me. I was devastated. Devastated by the message this sent. Devastated by the life that had been stolen. The message this sent was you can be black in America, follow the rules, and still end up dead. In 2019, I took a trip to Minneapolis to meet with Philando's mother, Valerie Castile. Since the killing of her son had shaken me to my core, I decided that I wanted to create awareness about who Philando was as a person, as a son, and as a cherished member of his community. He deserved that. They all do. And now, here we are in 2020. The list of names continue to grow weekly, even daily. We're in the midst of a global pandemic, and the most recent string of police-involved killings 
has moved our global community to a place of outrage and protest. George Floyd's death under the knee of a Minneapolis police officer seems to have been the tipping point. And although my intention had been to release my conversation with Miss Castile much earlier, it seems that the universe had a different timeline in mind. So, I invite you to listen to this series of podcasts to learn more about Philando's life, his mother's perspective, her work to reform the criminal justice system, and her journey to ensure that Philando's legacy of kindness and giving lives on. I adored my son. I adored that young man, and, and I've always looked at him as saving my life. Mm. You know, I had Philando when I was 27. You know, I was out here, you know, doing my thing, yada, yada, <laughs> yada. And then, you know, they got word that I was pregnant and everybody was like, oh, no, she ain't. Not bad. You know, and oh, that girl ain't have no baby. She too wild for that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I always looked at him as saving my life. He calmed you down. Yeah. Mm. What was that first year of motherhood like for you? It was different. It was real different because I loved him so much, you know, and I, I thought he he was the cutest little thing ever. I mean, he had those captivating eyes. It's something in his eyes that is so piercing and beautiful. And I just adored him. And I, I, I carried him continuously, you know, I, you know, he, he made me understand you got to take them high heels and them stockings off. <laughs> Get rid of the silk dresses and the silk blouses. Take the big earrings off. You know, just a lot of different things that I had to, you know, kind of change up. And I got me one of those little backpack things <laughs> to carry, to carry him. Okay. Yeah, so okay. He was with me everywhere I went, everything I did. He was always on me. <laughs> At some point, he was on me. I just loved him, and and I I loved the new me. You know what I'm saying? It it was a, a difference in who I was, you know, versus who I was, you know. And um, I always said that, you know, when uh, him and my daughter would argue or whatever. I'd be like, you better leave my son alone, you know. And he'd be saying, Mom, come get your daughter. And she'd be saying, Mom, come get your son. And I'd be like, y'all crazy. <laughs> and I, I would constantly tell him, you know, son, I love you so much. You saved my life, you know. And now I, I think back on that a lot. I think, you know, God orchestrated all of that need to have him to correct my life so I can fight for him mm. and the rest of the leaders of this country, the future leaders of this country. I think that's ultimately why my son came to me. You know, God chose me to raise and nurture him mm. and um, bring out all those wonderful attributes that God had already in Sealed in him, mm -hmm. you know. I was the one that was chosen to bring all that greatness out of him, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, 
He just was a magnificent, kind-hearted, gentle soul, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, you can ask him. He barely raised his voice. He barely even talked, girl. I heard you say that a few times when I was watching interviews, and you said, you know, he, he didn't even talk much. He was quiet, yeah. you know. And I don't know why, but I was surprised when I just heard how quiet he was and just kind of the spirit that, yeah. you know, you talk about and, and just, again, how loving he was with the children. Because a lot of times they don't portray our men yeah. in that light. Yeah. Which is why I really wanted to make sure we talked because people need to know who he was beyond what's out there. Yeah. Right? On the media. Tell me, what was your, like, favorite moment with Belinda? I don't know. We had so many great times together. He, he just was a character and... You know, we did a lot of things. His favorite place uh, was Valley Fair. Mm -hmm. You know, for his birthday, he didn't want to do anything else. He didn't care about a cake, a party, none of that. He just wanted a couple of his little friends to go to Valley Fair with him. And Valley Fair, is that like a state fair or is that some... It's what like is that? Six Flags. Oh, like so, an amusement park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. with the rides and the games and stuff like that. That's all he wanted. He, he was a, a simple person. He didn't want much. He barely wore jewelry. You know, he, he didn't have any piercings. He had the one tattoo with the twin cities on his shoulder. He didn't wear jewelry. Uh, he had, he, he got one, one piece. I have it upstairs, a, a gold cross with a big Jesus on it. Whatever that, that young man wanted when, like I said, that, that story about, them darn uh, Michael Jordan sneakers. I think they were 80, 80 or ninety dollars mm -hmm. back in uh, what was it? Uh, Two thousand. I mean, uh, nineteen eighty. Uh, no, it was ninety something, ninety three or something like that, ninety two. But the sneaker still was almost a hundred dollars, mm -hmm. and I told him, which I, was very expensive for nineteen ninety two. Yes. Yeah, yes, it was. And I told him, I said, I don't know what, boy, you better go get you a job. Yeah, and, and I was got it, my right? ass just like that. I was like, 13, right? Wow. Yeah. He started working right there on Selby and Avon. It's a little storefront, this guy. I, I guess he, he was just, it wasn't an organization. I think he just put something together just to give the kids some type of training. Okay. Because I had to go to some place down on Sibley, some education building down there on Sibley to fill out the paperwork mm -hmm. to say, you know, he's going to keep his grades up. And, and he, it was a summer position. And I said it was okay for him to work and things of that nature. But he got up every day. He enjoyed doing that, you know, fixing bicycles. Someone would, you know, go through the neighborhood and get used bicycles that maybe the the rim was bent, they was mm -hmm. on a flat or the chain was off or whatever. And that man taught them how to fix the bicycles where they were usable again and then they give those bikes out in the community for uh, kids that didn't have bicycles. So he got a great enjoyment out of that as well. And once he got his position with the uh, children, you know, he fell in love with his job and could nothing stop him from getting there either. He was mm -hmm. devoted to his job. And, uh, you know, 
even when his car had got towed or whatever, he would take a cab. You he was going to get to work. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. He ain't like the bus. He had caught the bus probably about three or four times. <laughs> he was like, Can you blame uh-huh. him for not liking the bus? Though? I don't like the bus either. We were all the way in Robinsdale. So he had to literally catch two buses to get him over to St. Paul. But that one day, uh, the car went store. He called a, a, a cab. And uh, later on that day, I went and got a rental car. And I went to pick him up from school. And uh, I knocked on the back door that right where the cafeteria was. I knocked on the back door. I said, uh, I said hi, good morning. Good afternoon. And she's like, oh, you have to go through the front to pick your kids up. You can't come through uh, this door right here. You have to go around the front and get your kids. I said, oh, no, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. I said, I'm, I'm here to pick up my son. And she was like, you got to go around. I said, oh. <laughs> she didn't realize it's Philando. <laughs> she said, oh, my God, come on in, come on in. I'm so sorry. I thought you was coming to get uh, one of the young, younger kids. I didn't know you were talking about him. Bam! <laughs> it was so funny. Always. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill told me that he had to catch a cab and work today. And he told me he spent over $50. I said, yeah. Car went start this morning. She was like, I would just between me and you, I would have called in. $50, that's a lot of money. Many people would have called in. Yeah. But that speaks yeah. his character and the type yeah. of person he was. Yeah. Wow. He'd get there early enough to help those uh, children with disabilities on and off the bus. He'd get there mm-hmm. early enough to do that with them. You know, in the morning, he fist bumped the kids when they came into the cafeteria. And, you know, I just meet moms and dads, you know, throughout this this whole ordeal, this time, you know, and they all just have wonderful, different little stories. They tell me about him and how they met him and and what he did for them or the child, you know, and and it's, it's, it's a lot for me. You know, I knew my son had a really great, compassionate heart. But I didn't know how much, mm-hmm. you know, those kids loved him and he loved them as well. And uh, he didn't have any biological children, but he had thousands mm-hmm. of children. As I watched Miss Castile talk about her son, she absolutely lit up. It was almost as if her soul was smiling just thinking about Philando. I couldn't help but think about all of the parents of black and brown children that know one day they've got to have the talk with their children, but they're searching for the right words. We have to have the talk with our kids about the relationship between them and the police. If you ever Mm. encounter bad police, these are the things that you should do for mama. You know, for mama, would you do this for yes. mama? You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. Because I'm, 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 I'm trying to save your life. You know, just do this for me. I, I know it, it may seem degrading and you don't really understand why you should have to do this. But this is our reality. And like I said, if we can minimize the excuses, mm-hmm. then 
this is what it's going to be. Talk to your kids about the interaction with the police, mm-hmm. what they should do and shouldn't do, even though it's taken us back 400 years. Mm. Yes, a boss man. Yes, um, yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir, boss man. What else, boss man? What you want me to do, sir? Yes, sir. You know, but it's our reality. And, and, and mm. we got to do some of those things that our ancestors did in order to survive just being in America. How do we balance instilling pride and strength and confidence, but at the same time, educate them on the fact that for all practical purposes, they're viewed as second-class citizens in this country, viewed and treated as second-class citizens in this country. Well, uh, that all stems by educating our children and letting them know where they come from. Yes. Kings and queens. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And you have to also let them know that they are fear. You know, that's why you're treated the way you are out of fear. No, but baby, know that you, you, you that know that you the bomb, baby. Know mm. you that king or queen, and you you fear it at the level that that they are afraid of you. You know mm. what I'm saying? So you have to you have to give them that understanding that that builds them up and not mm-hmm. turn them down and mm-hmm. letting them know. The reason why they want you to do this because you are here. You have to keep your yes. head up and they want to bring you down to this. But then don't let that sway you from who you really are. Sometimes, you know, when you're wrong, you got to do what the Romans do. Sometimes you have to you have to play that role. You know, we don't want to get out of character and then that excuse comes about why I had to do what I did mm-hmm. to you because you showing me this proud side that you don't like. You know what I'm saying? I I, I don't know what went wrong with uh that interaction with, with my son and, and that demon, because that's all he was. He was a demon and my son is God fearing young man, spiritual young man, and uh all of it was crazy. I just was thinking about my son, uh he, he didn't call, you know, he knew he was dying. He didn't call for me mm. or his daddy. He called for God. Mm. He, he asked the Lord, you know, why him? And God told him he did his job. Mm. It was time for him to come back. And I'm telling you, Miss Castillo, like, I will not watch that whole, like, I haven't watched that whole video. Mm. I saw a flash of when, you know, Diamond was recording in there. and But I, I would not watch anymore because mm-hmm. I just, I can't. Yeah. And so... It'll take you to a different space. And so uh, as a mom, like, I can't imagine watching that. I had to watch it because I, I needed to see everything. Yes. I needed to know what happened to yes. my son. I need to know what happened to my baby and... I knew the presence of the Lord was there. I knew God was there with him. I heard the conversation. And uh, one tear fell out of my son. And Mm. God put my son in your face so you can see. You know, I mean, white people have always said, oh, it couldn't be that bad. They're exaggerating. Oh, get over it. How can you get get over over something? 
like mm. that. You saw a young man take his last breath and no one is going to use their last breath to try to come up with a lie. My son said I wasn't was reaching. It's so many you uh, can't keep up with and some you might miss and not know about because they didn't make national news, national headlines. But some family is struggling right now yes. because of the murder of their child. Man, woman, or, you know, man, woman, or child. Because you're not exempt. No They're one. killing children. Yes. They're mm-hmm. killing children. You know, and, and I, 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 you know, after the uh, acquittal, when I spoke, I said, you know, y'all just don't even understand what you just did right I now. Yes. You know, th- you giving these people free reign to kill. And they ain't going to stop. But they, you ain't exempt. They going to get your ass too. I saw that. You know? That's yeah. how you closed out that video. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. What would you tell or what have you told other moms? who you've met who've been in your situation and lost a child at the hands of violence? A, a lot of times it's, it's just that that fellowship, that, that hug. And a person can look you in your eyes and say, baby, I know how you feel. You know, that compassion and, and that love and that, that unwanted sisterhood, you know, and being able to uh, just be able to have a normal conversation and talk about our kids and what they meant to us. As an advocate for her son and her community, Valerie Castile speaks her truth unapologetically. With so much focus on the way Philando died, I thought it was important to start our conversation by asking Ms. Castile to share how Philando lived. In part two of this series, she'll talk about her efforts to turn the loss of her son into legacy through her work with the Philando Castile Relief Foundation. She'll also talk more about the unjust systems in our country that work against people of color instead of working for them. And finally, Ms. Castile will share her thoughts on how we can affect change and what keeps her motivated after such a devastating loss? Thanks so much for joining our conversation. 